0: Hi, my name is Sarab. This is my first recording and broadcasting of my podcast. I am thankful and very grateful for you joining me. For those of you listening, I am a Palestinian. I am first generation here in the United States. My parents are both immigrants, and I really wanted to Focus today's episode as an introduction, as well as uh, sharing something. The theme for today's session is, and you'll have to forgive me. This is my first podcast, so it might be a little shaky in the beginning. But I'm hoping as as I, you know, go down this journey, I will get better. So just an introduction of myself continuing. My name is Sarab. I am Palestinian. I also have Lebanese and Egyptian roots, but mainly I was inspired to begin this podcast for a couple of reasons. The major reason being the, the displacement of the palestinians as well as the war crimes being committed against them and being a palestinian living here in the united states and seeing the reaction it's been it's been a lot of things and i can't really pinpoint one word to describe it it's almost indescribable a lot of it has been disheartening as well as eye-opening, and I've been finding myself strongly reconnecting to my roots in the last few years of my life. I find myself going through phases of that, and I think it has a lot to do with my environment and the different phases I am in my life. But really specifically, the environment I'm in, the atmosphere, who is surrounding me. And I feel like in order for you to find or to connect with who you are, you've got to be around the right people, the right atmosphere, the right energy. And I don't mean it like, let's go down this path of super new agey type vibrational. We don't have to do that today or anything, but really I wanted to kind of go through a timeline of events mainly based around my environment and the people that I have been around. Being young in this country, knowing that your family is not from this country, we were raised to be very connected to our arabic heritage you know we are very close family we're a very large family and we constantly had family visiting a lot of our family members extended family members did end up coming to the united states and i found that when i was with my family you know cousins aunts uncles my grandparents you've had that really strong connection and you were comfortable and you felt at home going to school, I do remember very clearly that I was different from other students. I remember being treated differently. I remember being talked to differently. I was in elementary school and Arabic is my first language. We spoke Arabic at home. I actually went to Arabic school. I also spoke English. And I was actually able to read before I even went into school. But the school placed me in a English as a second language course, just based on my name and how I look. Going into sixth grade and seventh grade, teachers could not pronounce my name, Sarab or Sarab. Uh, My mom got to a point where she said, just call her Sarah. And I was Sarah. So I was this completely different identity from grade school until high school. And it was really, the goal was to fit in. You always want to fit in, even as a, it doesn't matter culturally, really, ethnically, it doesn't matter because as a, as a youngster, you want to fit in, you have that desire to be a part of something, you know, the cool kids, or at least that's how it was when I was growing up. I'm sure things have changed by now, but the desire to fit in and already knowing that I'm different. um, It did get a little better in high school, but I was still Sarah a lot of people don't know me as lot, You know, most of my a lot of my life because I can't say most cuz you know obviously I'm a lot older now. But a lot of my life has been spent as a different identity. When I started to go out into the corporate world, I felt the same even though There are other people that are the same color as me. There are other cultures and ethnicities, but because of my name, because of my name, it turns, it goes to a completely different path. So I look a certain way, but when you hear my name, it turns into something else. I, I started working for this very, very prominent beauty school as an instructor And it was all, you know, it was in Orange County, California. It's very prominent. You can go ahead and guess and figure it out. (laughs) But um, you would find yourself in the hair industry as something to be very open-minded. But I found that a lot of the people I was befriending were, they would make comments. And I remember there was one person I was very close with and this is where I get into the topic of today's discussion of today's actually it's, it's a monologue because you're not nobody's discussing this with me but today's theme or topic is something that I that I find to be so fascinating is the concept of detachment so going back to these friends I would go to parties. I would be invited to things. And as soon as I say my name, they're like, oh, you're one of those people. Oh, I didn't know you were that. I assumed you were something else. Oh, I didn't know that. Do you speak language? Do you speak Farsi by any chance? And it almost became a fetish at times. Ooh, say something to me in Arabic. Oh, can you say something to me hot in Arabic, which just became very, I mean, just it's gross, but what really hurt me was the friendships I had a lot of people that I, that I really felt love from them, but when you need them, it's not there. So getting into the, I, I would be disrespected in people's homes. Oh, I didn't know you're one of those people, but hey, at least you're a cool one. What is that supposed to mean? I'm a cool one. So you're going to be nice to me, but if you see my brother or sister or cousin or anybody in the street, you're going to be rude to them because they're those people. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. When it comes to the concept of detachment, how do you detach the love for someone from who they are? Example, I have many gay friends and I would hear people tell them, oh, I don't agree with his lifestyle, but he's a great guy. What? What? Oh, I didn't know you were one of them, but you're a cool one. And I'd be invited to their wedding, their baby showers, their christenings. They're all, all these really, really close bonded events between them and their families, their children. I've known some of these people for 20 years maybe. But when it would come to the subject of who I am, or where I come from, or the things that I'll deal with, that's where they disappear. That's where the detachment comes in. So for example, I am, I mean, I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. But I do feel a level of disappointment that's, that's, that's stronger than usual. Seeing that social media has made such a difference on seeing what's actually happening in Palestine. We're actually seeing, we are seeing the truth. We are finally seeing the truth. We've been seeing the truth. I've been seeing the truth. My family, both my families, both sides, my mother and father's side both sides have seen death, exile, pain, sacrifice, loss, everything. We have firsthand experience in this. And anybody who's known me or has gotten close to me knows that this is who I am. These are my people. But everybody's too afraid to say, I support you, or I'm here for you, or they read my resources, they view my posts, they see everything. But when it was time to take action, for example... Um, we did these T-shirts for uh, all the sales will go to. There are three different, um, three different charities that we have been, or organizations, shall I say, that we have, that we have decided to give every cent of the proceeds of these shirts to these organizations: Anera, PCRF, and. I, I've got, I know hundreds of people. I, I've been close to many people. And to not even donate or not even share an article that you're sharing or not even try and learn more about what's going on. I have people texting me, really close friends texting me, sending you love. I want to see if you're okay, but don't want to get involved because it's detached. And I want to share my theory on this is that these aren't your people. They're not your friends. They never cared. They never truly cared for you because if they do, they will be there for you. So for example, I know I say that a lot. I guess I got a lot of examples. When you befriend or bring somebody into your life, Somebody who comes from a marginalized group, somebody who comes from from strife, somebody who has a story, that's current. If you're befriending and you're showing love and they are in your life and you consider them, I, I love this person, this is my friend, this is my family, my husband, my wife, my you know, my in-law, who, whoever it is. When you bring those people and you share love with them, you are committing, to whatever the cause is, you are committing to whatever the strife is, whatever the struggle, the sacrifice, you commit to that as well. I will not befriend someone and share love with them. And not be there for them. Because when you welcome someone into your life, you also become a part of their life and you become that support. That's just what we do. So if you're telling me, I love you, you're my friend, I care about you. You don't tell me, I I never know what to say. I don't know what to do in these things. I'm still very confused with what's going on. Then I was just entertainment to you. I was a very superficial person in your life, which is okay for you. It's okay for you. Those of you who are listening who feel like they can relate at any level. When you share love, whether it's a friend love, 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 whatever kind of love, affection, you become a part of that person's circle. And you become a part of whatever strife they go through. You have to be there for them. And if you can't, that's fine. But you're not truly a friend then. I am coming to the realization that I have been entertainment to these people. I have been someone funny, somebody who's got, tells great stories. I'm, and I really am funny. I have a very big personality and I'm, and I've been there for these. I've been there for you. I've been there. I've been there through the divorces, the marriages, the, the sick children, what I have been there. But when it's time for them to be there for you and they're not, or they become neutral, or they take a very back-end way of how to be, that's not your friend. That's not love. That's entertainment. That's entertainment. And, you know, to each his own. If you feel like I'm okay with being entertainment, then okay, okay. At least you have the wherewithal to understand that this is a very entertaining relationship. That's all this is. And you can't take that hurt with you when they're not there for you. I'm struggling with the hurt now. I'm struggling with that hurt now. So the concept of detachment really is... There was never a true attachment. It was superficial. There was no depth to it. You can cut it at any moment. You can only put in what you think is okay or what you're only capable of. I can give examples of, you know, um, other cultures, other races, but I, I don't think that's my space to speak on. I don't think I should speak on other experiences. Although if you do have a similar experience and you would like the platform to share, by all means, please reach out to me. I would definitely love to give you this space to share that. At this point, I'm not really sure how to move forward with this concept of detachment. I'm just coming to the realization of it and I'm really learning more about it and really going through a review of all the years that I have shared friendships and I've shared love with people and a lot of things that I should have paid attention to all the nuances that I kind of knew at the time but I didn't want to I didn't want to lose that friendship or or lose whatever and I was very young too that's that's another thing is you really do become older and wiser but i just don't know what to do with that now i really don't to know that you've been entertainment for people is really i mean without getting paid for it either but you know honestly it's to know that you're you're a very superficial top layer that's hard That's hard. And I feel like some of us still reside in that layer where some of us are still there because of the fear of being alone or the fear of actually finding out the truth. To experience detachment while you're attached. That's some feeling. I wanted to keep today's episode kind of short, more of an introduction, more of a feel of the type of things I'll be talking about. It, they'll definitely transpire and progress into other things, and you, the quality and everything will definitely get better. But I really want to focus on sharing this space for experience I can't speak on other people's experiences. I can speak on my own. And I want to invite anyone who has something they want to share to this space. It's safe. I'm definitely going to give a very fair platform to those who want to share their experience and fair meaning you get as much time as you need. And, you know, we make sure that it's safe for you. And you're comfortable. That's what I mean by fair. I want to conclude this episode by thanking you for joining me. This is the first one, hopefully of many. The next episode is going to focus more on appropriation. So uh, we'll get to know a little more about me, and hopefully you, as as listeners. But the next the next episode will talk about. Belly, and I'm saying that in quotations if you can't see me, belly dancers. So uh, I would love to share some experiences from people in my culture and my family on the experience of how this dance has morphed and just become wildly appropriated throughout the the world, not just the United States, but definitely the world. So I think it's time we shed some light on that subject and we start to change the narrative on... this is a belly dance and you can take a belly dance class and you can learn about the Nile and the, you know, how belly dancers used to dance in front of prison guards to get, I mean, the, the stories are wild. They're just wild. So I definitely wanted to start to change the narrative on raïs, raïs, not belly dance in this country and others. And I feel like when it comes to, I don't want to go too far on this, but when it comes to the appropriation of an art and you are making money off of it, you're making a living off of it and it is not your culture, you are borrowing and you need to give back. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. So Next episode, we'll focus on that. I'll have a guest with me so you don't have to listen to me talk the whole time. But once again, thank you for joining me. And I hope, I hope we have many more together. Thank you.